welcome, welcome, welcome to Long Wizard and Gifted, your new local favorite podcast. I am declaring that in Jesus' name. No. Uh, so, hello, welcome. Um, I hope everybody is doing well. Um, if you've listened to a couple of my podcasts, you know that my slogan is if you are breathing and living and listening to this podcast today, then the day that has served you well. Well, I had a conversation with my aunt and she had my wheels turning. So about saying we are blessed to see another day. Well, uh, the question she posed is what is the blessed part about being here another day? Because on the other side, it's supposed to be greater. There's not a person that has gone to the other side that has wanted or excuse me, we can't speak that matter of factly. Let me rephrase that. We can bet that someone that's made it to the other side doesn't want to come back. If we believe um, the other side, meaning heaven, to be what we believe it to be. So she kind of just got my wheels turning. And I'm like, dang, she make a good point. Like, what is so blessed about waking up on this side of the, um, of the, this side of life? Well, I think there's benefits to both, if you will. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that is a given, easy, right? But um, if you're blessed with, a, blessed with another day to be breathing, then God still has something for you. So I guess that's where my take on it is, is that God still has something for you if you are here yet another day breathing, living, and um, finding your purpose. So God is not ready for you to be called home yet. So with that being said, um, I gotta think of a new slogan, (laughs) um, in terms of, yeah, what that means to be, I guess, blessed on this side. Anyway, anyway, well, Father's Day is coming up, you guys, and I'm really excited because my husband is a really good father And I feel like um, for the first time in kind of a while, um, I've been sort of been thinking about it. And it's funny because I did not grow up with my biological father. I've never met him. And so when I see Father's Day come up and and, uh, the praise on fathers, I get really excited. But then I often wonder, why are fathers... um, Why were there some fathers that were like deadbeats? Like you hear a lot of situations. And just recently I just watched, um, I think that was T.I. and Tiny Family and Friends where um, LaToya's dad came and visited her baby and has said, you know, once they had divorced, it was hard for her to, hard for him, excuse me, to see uh, her and her brother. Well, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm hoping someone can enlighten me because what I can't think of a single situation that would cause me to not be there for my child. Probably. Okay. With the exception of maybe not being in my right mind or maybe drugs. That's the only thing I can probably think of that'll keep me from my children. There is not a single person other than that, that can keep me from seeing my children. Like we break up. Cool. Them still my kids. Like, and I would never stop you from seeing your child. So we got to understand in there. If you want to see your child, then you'll see your child. I just don't, um, I don't understand that logic. So, you know, enlighten me. 
um, maybe you have some insight about a situation. Maybe you're a deadbeat daddy. Let's, you know, it's okay. No judgment zone here. Um, but it's just, it's just kind of like behooves me and boggles my brain that, um, there are fathers out there that are like, just were not a part of their children's lives. And I never, I never understood it. And I still don't understand in terms of like, even what happened with my dad, like, why, what caused you to not be a part of your child's life? But, you know, I guess it's a question he would have to answer or somebody um, that maybe has a little more knowledge, maybe spoken to someone that um, just wasn't a part of their life. I don't know. But around Shell, we're going to celebrate the fathers that's out there doing it, fathers that are a part of their kids' life. We want to pour into you, love into you on this Father's Day 2019. I am saluting all fathers that's about that action that is taking care of their kids. So I salute you. Um, I will talk more about Father's Day as Father Day's Father Day gets closer. We're pretty close now, but um, I will talk closer and just um, give you praise. I know it can be hard if you're a single father. I know it can be hard if you're a working father. You feel like you're not doing enough, but your presence means a lot. Your presence means a lot because we've grown up. Some of us have grown up with a broken home of not having fathers. So those that are there, I salute you. So, you know, just wanted to shout y'all out and give y'all some praise and talk about why I believe my podcast is different from the rest. I feel like this question was posed to me um, and internally, I guess, um, just maybe God put it on my heart to ask myself that question, like, what makes your podcast any different? And um, truthfully speak, um I know that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of podcasts there and but um what I feel like makes my podcast different is that um there's the sort of holy roly and then all the way like sinful and knee Jesus I feel like I'm just a healthy balance somewhere in between there because I love the Lord. You will hear me talk about God a lot, but I'm a trip, you know, like my pastor would say, we all a trip. So I'm not anything special, anything better than anybody. Um, But I feel like I do move different in that sense and that I'm just being real. You know, I think in the era of social media, we put on um, to put on, you know, every moment it has to be. Uh, televised, if you will, and documented uh, just for the gram, you know, not for the uh, true form and true essence of the situation, but just for the gram, straight up. Um, And so we get caught up in that. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm just being me. And I hope that you guys enjoy. I'm pretty sure there's other podcasts that's probably a healthy balance, feel like they're a healthy balance. Um, But I feel like that's what makes me different. Yeah, that's what I think, people. Um, the latest trend right now is uh, the Netflix movie, When They See Us. I have had the pleasure of watching that movie. And um, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you use somebody Netflix account 
and get to it. Get on it. It is something particularly if you are parents of young African-American males. Um, this is something for you. It's something for you. Um, by the suggestion of my mom, she suggested that we watch it with our 15-year-old son. And I think it just about might have been life-changing for him to think that um, that sort of thing was happening. And, and I'm sorry to let me preface it for those that don't know the basis behind this movie. So When They See Us is basically about the Central Park Five, which was five young males who were falsely accused of raping a woman in Central Park, I believe is where it was. Yeah, Central Park Five, duh. Um, so, uh, that was the basis of it. And it was, a, it's a true story and Netflix, Ava uh, DuVernay, DuVernay, I think that's her name. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, uh, produced this thing. And when I tell you it is nothing short of amazing, wow, the emotion that it invoked, um, it was overwhelming for a lot of people to even just make it past the first episode. It was so deep so deep and I mean just man to think you know my nephew my nephew's 16 um well one of my nephews is 16 and then my son is 15 and just to think you know wrong place wrong time could get them caught up in something like that and so I think it was very powerful um to watch it with him um I was able to get his insight as a young man he was just um, just couldn't believe. He just couldn't believe that these young men would be framed for something that they didn't do. And um, for me, I'm sorry, I have to figure out a way to stop that from ringing in the background while I'm recording. I can't necessarily turn off my phone um, or silence my phone, if you will, um, the ringer, because it could just be anybody calling. But um, yeah. I just think that it was very powerful for me, particularly towards the final two episodes um, and the final episode about one of the young men um, named Corey Wise. It seemed like he had it so tough and he wasn't even caught up in any. Well, excuse me, none of them were caught up in the situation. It was they were falsely accused, but um, he just happened to go down there with one of the other guys, which happened to be his friend, he just happened to go down there and just, they just took him in and he got lumped up into it, but he had it the worst. And all I could think of that, particularly that final episode, um, and how they just showed his struggle and him being in solitary confinement. I just kept saying, even before Niecy Nash, you know, revealed that she, you know, had found God, I just kept saying, Lord, like, I just was thinking, God, I, if I would just wait on you, Lord, I, I know that you would deliver me. I would believe you for it. And I was just pr like almost praying as I was watching it. And then at the end, you know, we talked about it with our son and it was like 2.30 in the morning. We stayed up and like watched the, all of the episodes. It was just that uh, engaging. And so um, we watched it and about 2.30, everybody, you know, he went to bed and I just like, I just feel like the spirit of God just came over me. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, um, 
whew, it, it it's it's amazing. So I just like the spirit of God just came over me and I just could not stop crying. I could not stop praising God. I just felt like it just sat on my spirit. And so I even had to go into my garage because I just had to let it out. Like I had to let out this emotion um, of, of watching it. That's how raw it was. That's how raw it was. But for me, I saw the God in it and how God was just um, merciful um, in, in his grace. A lot of times I learned anyway um, that when early on, I believed, if you will, or was told to some degree that grace runs out. Um, it wasn't until um, sort of later on in my life that I found out God's grace doesn't run out. Um, and it's something that's uh, totally free. It's free game that God gives us. And so all I kept thinking was like, Lord, your grace on those young men, um, that they didn't falter, that they they didn't uh, they didn't be totally broken down by something. They were such young kids and overwhelmed with this emotion, Lord, Father God. But you kept them. You kept them and you waited. You created the opportunity. You created the opportunity. I, I just, it just was nothing short of amazing. I saw in that particularly last episode, the God in it. And I just felt like God was saying, just endure, just endure the long haul. And, and I just couldn't get that thing off of me. I just couldn't get, I was probably in the garage like 20 minutes, y'all. Um, Just really just, whew. Ooh, I thought I had been filled with the Holy Spirit before, but that was no question. So I have a, a date, if you will, in my mind that I was filled fully and completely with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It is something, even if you don't have a young uh, teenage son, uh, particularly African-American male, um, it gives you a perspective that this was happening. We don't want to believe it. We don't want to believe it because our president is who he is. I won't speak on that man much in detail, but we have our president who has sort of cultivated this hate across the nation and, and people don't believe that that type of thing has been going on. Um, and that, even then he was attached to that. And so I just think that we just, you know, I think it's an eye opening perspective for um, everything. So I, everyone, excuse me, just as the eye opening perspective on, on anything that you do. So, yeah, I just wanted to share my perspective on it, my reaction. I think it was just, whew, the Lord really, really really blessed me with that one so you know just thought i'd catch up with you guys um i'm sitting here looking at like a picture on my mantle of my kids and it just made me think about like recently i had my name changed now i've been with my husband 15 years total we've been married nine and i'm just now getting around to changing my name um and it just kind of made me think too about just god and how god is really just open up some things for me recently um that I think oh excuse me oh my gosh that just came out of nowhere I told you we was up till 2 30 but um 
where I feel like my blessing is as weird as it sounds was attached to me hyphenating or excuse me, changing my name. Um, for whatever reason, I just had my name. I never changed my name. Like, I don't, I don't know why it just was something I feel like I had a lot tied into, uh, frost. And so, um, I just wanted to kind of keep it and hang on into it. I don't even know what I was hanging on to it to. Like I said, early in the podcast, I didn't know my daddy. I don't know him. I don't know that lineage. I don't have a legacy that I'm carrying on, you know? Um, I have no attachment to that name. And so um, I decided like this year, I feel like um, I hate to say something because I really like to believe that our conscience or like our first mind is God. I don't like to say, well, something told me. Um, So to some degree, I feel like God spoke to me and said it was time to do that. And I did. And I feel like things have really opened up and God has really shown himself in my life ever since I did that. But what I want to ask those of you that have hyphenated your name, what is the purpose of hyphenating it? Um, what, and, or if you haven't like me, uh, you didn't change your name. What, what, what is it that we're holding on to that doesn't allow us to take on our spouse's name? Um, like I said, for me, I just feel like I had you know, all kind of kind of business stuff sort of associated with that name. And so it was just more convenient for me to just leave it that way. Um, but now I really, and I was already using my married name, if you will, when I would like sign things or go to the kids school. Um, but I would have it hyphenated and even on my Facebook is hyphenated. And, um, now the joy I sort of feel when I go and pick them up and or I'm speaking to somebody and they're like, okay, um, what's your child's name? And I tell them my child's name and they're like, okay, what's your name? And I can actually say to me a Dylan, you know, it matches my husband. It matches my children. It all, it all is in sync. But um, honestly, I just can't even really tell you in like detail and of definite reason why I hung on to, why I hung on to, um, my name it had like no meaning to me whatsoever so you know help me figure that out y'all like why hyphenate why keep your name why not at all and if you are um just keeping it you don't even know why don't waste no time don't waste no time just go ahead and do it just go ahead and do it why not it's like there's nothing you really holding on to It's really an excuse, and I think it's like holding you back almost. So go ahead and get that done. Go on ahead, go on ahead. Go on ahead, go on ahead. Because it's hard, you know. It's it's a process. You got to go down to Social Security. You got to go down to DMV. And then now with the real ID, if you want the real ID here in California, you got to have this, that, and the third. And who, those are the two most daunting places to go. DMV and Social Security. Those are two places you just don't want to spend time at. And so that was another reason. Maybe that's what kind of kept me because I knew I had to do all of that. But it literally, DMV, an hour. Well, I went there first and the lady told me, no, this is what you got to do. You got to go to Social Security first. Go to Social Security. I went towards closing. So I was literally there like 30 minutes maybe. And then the next day they, um, well, 
when I went to DMV first before going to Social Security, they gave me Social Security. They gave me like a little appointment card. And so I went to Social Security. Then uh, that day was over. And the next day I went to DMV and did the appointment card. I was there in like an hour maybe and had it all done. So it's about timing, I guess. You know, perfect timing, timing, timing. Timing, timing, timing. Speaking of timing, um, when is a good time to have hard conversation? Hmm. Like, I did this podcast um, on this particular topic um, the other day. And it, I just I couldn't quite get it to, I couldn't quite articulate it or get it to resonate how I wanted it to. Um, so that's why I'm including it now in this new recorded podcast, because I just, I just couldn't get it to make sense how I wanted to make sense. And so I just was like, oh, scratch it. I'm not even going to do it. In addition to the fact that, um, I had to apply those lessons that I'm going to tell you or tips, uh, on how to have hard conversations. And it never occurred to me the reaction part. So what I like to say when you like when you have to have car conversations, one of the things that I learned um not that long ago, in fact, is um when having car conversations, you want to keep relationships. So if you're a person oh Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. If you are a person like myself, um that has to speak their mind, it it just doesn't sit well. Um for things to sit on your chest, which even saying that really, um, saying it now in this moment, um, is I'm, I'm a work in progress. That's not necessarily who I am as a complete being, but it is. Cause I just feel like I have to say what I have to say. If that makes sense. So I'm learning that, um, in saying what I have to say, I want to try to keep relationships. And so, um, when having conversations or having to have hard conversations, in a nutshell, they're hard. That's why they're called hard conversations. But um, when I try to have those hard conversations, the very first thing I think about is, okay, keeping a relationship. I want to be able to say what I need to say, address my issue. Um, we talk about it and move on. We don't lose any time. Um, and so the few conversations that I've had that's gone, that's worked pretty well um and so you know I uh, in a part of not having excuse me uh keeping relationships um when you having those conversations you don't want to be blamed for or, or judging or um sort of using you statements I'm learning to use the I statement to say that I feel this way um and as it stands alone, this is how it makes me feel. Not necessarily like, well, you should have did this. You should have did that. You should have did that. And so um, that I feel like is a great point into having hard conversations, too, because you kind of need a guideline. Like, I think we've been taught the sandwich method, method where the meat and the cheese in the middle are like the hard things and the bad things that you have to say. And then the buns are supposed to be these good parts that you kind of uh sandwich on the outside of the or the bad stuff is sandwiched in between the good stuff but then what if you don't have anything good to say 
that method is not foolproof. So I feel like with sort of keeping the idea of, okay, when I have these hard conversations, I'm going to keep relationships. So I'm not going to say hurt and meanful things, mean things and hurtful things that I'm not going to be blaming, um, that I am going to be clear and concise with what I have to say in addition to the fact timing. Timing is everything. You don't want to have a conversation when you're angry. You don't want to have a conversation over, let's just be like, I feel like even over dinner, like if you guys are having a good night, whether it's an intimate relationship or it is a friendship or any type of relationship, you, you don't sort of want to spoil the mood, a good mood. And have a hard conversation. So timing is everything. You want to make sure that you're chilling, hanging out, sitting on the couch and having a conversation. Now, that is what I felt like was the foolproof method. Right. And it worked. I was able to have a few conversations with some people and it goes very smoothly. And using that method without being confrontational, without being overbearing. But one thing I just recently learned, and that's why I'm revising this part of the podcast, is that I never accounted for how the person would react. See, I just thought if you were keeping relationships, you weren't being blameful, using I statements, you were clear and concise with your need or whatever it is you're trying to get across in this hard conversation, and that the timing was perfect, that nothing could go wrong. Well, I need to give you an additional tip to make it foolproof. <laughs> Because as it stands, this might work, but we all have different personalities. And so I think I need to add to this. And that is the reaction of the other person. Because no matter how you may try to frame it, it may not still go smoothly. And so you have to account for that change. One thing I want to say in that is that if it's a situation to where it is... um, heated and escalated you want to keep the same tone keep the same tone when you're yelling and they're yelling it I learned this just at work myself like just in general customer service that you you don't get anywhere that way you know when you're trying to de-escalate a situation yelling does not de-escalate it escalates and so then once you escalate they escalate and escalate means going up which means higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. So when you do that, then you're not getting anything accomplished. So you definitely want to keep tone. If there is a middle ground that is just not being reached, then it is okay to revisit it. Um, even though you may feel like, the hell nah, we having this conversation right now. Well, yeah, that will sort of take the whole timing out of the window that will sort of take keeping the keeping relationships out the window because then now once you now are no longer under control of the hard conversation you've totally lost control if it's getting heated so um, I haven't figured out sort of a plan as to once it gets heated how to sort of exit that arena because sometimes things get escalated and you're worked up and you're you know you just on one now right but How do you sort of step outside of that? I think maybe just repeating 
sort of that cycle in your head, keeping relationship. I need to keep relationships. Okay. And yeah, if I don't raise my voice, they may still raise their voice, but let me just try to keep, uh, and, and at the end of the day, the ultimate goal in having these hard conversations is the resolution. So if maybe that's just, yeah, maybe that's just the sum of it. Um, you know, the four tips I've already given you in addition to the fact of keeping your tone and, um, sort of recycling back to the beginning of step one. So that way you don't, um, you don't escalate, you don't escalate, you know, because once one escalates, it's over. So we want to avoid doing that. It is very hard to have hard conversations and sensitive conversations, but we have to change the way that we communicate with our loved ones. It is dysfunctional as fuck to me to have this and excuse me let me not even say that because I was at one point that type of communicator but once you get to a certain age this just ain't how you want to communicate like you want to be able to have a clear concise simple conversation with a person and it's okay for us to agree to disagree it's okay for you to feel a type of way but say what you got to say I'm gonna say what I have to say and let's move a the hell on I have no energy to put into things like that which kind of makes me think too like when you're overwhelmed when you're overwhelmed from putting too much energy into something you have to you have to reevaluate a situation you don't want to get overwhelmed with having a simple conversation so we want to just be mindful of those things and and kind of sort of um navigate the best way to communicate because the way that we um, are taught to communicate is just not effective I don't think Um, so we want to have more effective conversations when we are sort of you know talking to people and particularly harder conversations because it's already awkward anyway like it's already super awkward to have a hard conversation that requires sensitivity and so now you just kind of like on a defense on it like you don't want to be in that place so yeah you know that's that um last and final topic i think i want to talk about that's just been sort of lingering is um or that came about um with the conversation that i had with a friend and i did this on the other podcast too where i talked about the hard conversations and gosh I just like couldn't articulate that stuff well it was just like it was just falling apart like the you know it was just falling apart it's just it's just I don't know like I was all over the place I wasn't clear-headed maybe on it and so I think now I have a better understanding of what I want to say so in one of the previous podcasts um I talked about when you're dating or how I like to put it uh from uh, Tamara excuse me I like to copy what sort of Tamara um, from The Real said. She said that when you're dating, you're just kind of out there kicking it, kicking it, right? When you're courting, you're preparing for marriage. You're dating with the intention of marriage. And so I love that term. I like you will hear me say a lot of things that people say. I will never try to bite it as my own. I'm going to give the credible source. And... She said that. So I thought that was kind of dope in terms of, okay, framing it in that way. So anyway, but when we're dating and courting, even we don't ask the right necessary questions, particularly, I guess, in courting, because 
you end up later on down the line and you end up with divorce or you end up in a situation where it's like, oh, you know, you were doing this and he was doing that. But it's like they probably were already doing that and you just never paid attention because you didn't ask that question. And so, um, you know, I think and particularly too where we in this sort of um, situation where all of these young girls are being killed by the the mom's boyfriend. And I'm not saying that this is going to totally eliminate that because when you crazy, you crazy. Um, or when you have, you know, I don't even want to say crazy, excuse me. I apologize for that phrase. When you are mentally sick um, and challenged with some things to do any harm to a child, that's just, that might just be what you're dealing with anyway. And I think we are all triggered in some way, but, you know, I don't think triggered to the point of harming a child. So um, I think a lot of it, though, has to do with not asking the right questions when we're courting or dating these men. I have to admit, when I first started dating my husband, um, I wasn't asking the right question. I, it was just by pure God's grace, he ended up actually being a cool dude. Like, he actually ended up being just a real cool dude and a stand-up guy. Thus, that's why he's my husband. Um, so, um, I wasn't, but I wasn't asking all of the right questions. Like, not at all. Um, but he just ended up being a cool dude. But I do, I will say, in addition, I guess it's like a sort of an asterisk to it. In addition to asking the right questions, um, we have to pay attention to their actions as well. Because that will show us how they are as a person, too. So, I think in general, right, the simple questions or the most common or obvious questions are, you know, how old are you? Where are you from? Um, your family and friends and do you have siblings criminal background STD hell I mean STD and criminal background might be a little deep you know for the first few questions but those are obvious things that you want think of right um, but you will soon find that even if you have yes or good responses to all of those questions like if you ask somebody do you like children they're not going to be like man hell nah you know what I mean? Be especially if their intention is to go further with you. They're not going to be truthful in that answer. So it's sort of like a twofold system that you need to have in asking the right questions and finding out about this person. So I think more importantly, the top questions that I think are important are what I like to call integrity provoking questions. Now I want to frame, like I said, I when I say something that somebody else said, I'm going to give them credit. So I love the way um, Nipsey Hussle framed integrity or defined integrity. And it's basically in a nutshell, what you do when people, when no one is watching you. Okay. So um, with that being said, you want to ask integrity provoking questions. For example, uh, I like to call this sort of the human nature versus integrity analogy. So generally, if we found $20 on the ground right now, we would pick it up. 
Most of us, that's human nature. Most of us will pick up that money, even $60, even $100. We will pick that money up, put it in our pocket and say, thank you, Jesus, and keep going. Well, what if it's $3,000? Then your integrity, so you have the human side of you, but then your integrity should kick in and say, wow, this is somebody's money. You know, this is somebody's bills like this, you know, like the integrity part of you should start to kick in and then say, you know, um, some people still put it in their pocket. It's no shade, no judgment on that. Like some, you know, that might not be your, um, integrity notch, you know, it, your meter may not start flicking at that point, maybe 5,000, maybe take 5,000 for you to say, Oh, this ain't right. Whatever the case. Um, uh, for me, if I, like I said, if I found twenty, forty, hundred dollars, yeah, that's, that's going to my pocket. Doesn't make it, I guess, any less, <laughs> um, any less bad. Right. Um, but I think it's just the human nature of us that we're just going to pick up that money and keep going. Well, for me, as we talking about $3,000, I'm thinking, hell, we talking about $400, $500. Then I'm going to start saying, damn, this is somebody's money. And they lost it. And so my heart and integrity would start saying, I need to get this person back their money. God will bless me for it. God will bless me abundantly if I do the right thing. So that's what I mean when I say integrity provoking questions. Now, these questions will be tailored to you and your being. You know, like what I feel like is my top priorities and my non-negotiables may not be uh, ordered in the same way that you would. So for me, and like I said, I didn't ask these questions then, but as for me now, and maybe they're tailored because just it's what my husband already is, spirituality will be at the very top of my list. Now, when I first started dating my husband, that wasn't the case. Um, I've always had God a part of my life. My aunt introduced me to that. But there was a period of years where I wasn't, God wasn't prevalent in my life. And, but when I met my husband, he reintroduced me to church and God and, um, I, you know, reintroducing me into gaining my own relationship with God. Um, so, like I said, then that wasn't my priority. Now, absolutely. Um, that is definitely at the top of my list. And my husband meets that. Like I said, this might be sort of tailored to the fact that I'm married now at this point, And I know this is blood in, blood out. Um, but, you know, relationships and dynamics of relationships can change. Um, but, you know, anyway. So this will be really true to your being, um, what how you order this thing. But I think it should definitely be in your order of uh, processes. One thing I like to call is like a checklist. So if you have a checklist and you have 10 things on that checklist and say out of those 10 things, the person meets seven of those 10. Well, the other three, you need to determine um, how important they are to you. Do they affect your integrity? Do they affect your spiritual being? If they affect your spiritual being and your integrity, I will call those what I would like to call as non-negotiables. So, like I said, this this whole thing is really like a twofold thing. And it's why it's been really hard for me to articulate what I'm trying to say. And I really hope that you're gathering what I'm trying to say um, in terms of 
asking the right questions. So you want to ask, like I said, the integrity provoking questions. But I guess if I back it up a little bit, you want to start with a non-negotiable list. And this is not to say that if this person doesn't meet all of the things on the list, you know, the whole antiquated, old antiquated way of saying, oh, well, you ain't meeting my list. So you got to go. It's not what I'm saying. But I think that we all should have at least one or two non-negotiables. Like for me, yeah, if you're not spiritual, that's a absolutely non-negotiable. We can't we couldn't even move further. If I was dating right now, we couldn't even move further if you weren't spiritual. And cuz I'm not I'm not in, I'm not a pastor. I'm not into converting you. I want to bring you to Jesus absolutely, but I want to come into my union with somebody who's already equally yoked. That's just that's just me. So being non-spiritual or not being spiritual is an absolute no go for me. So you, yes, you will automatically be X off the list because you're not spiritual. Um, I think, but these things need to be like deeper, not surface stuff. If a person got kids, that's not really a non-negotiable. That's really not a non-negotiable. But then again, this is just my list and true to my being. Um, having kids may really be on your list, but I think, to be honest with you, there are not many adults um, that don't have children, whether it's a woman or a male. Like, most people have at least a child now. So you may be really limiting yourself um, by saying, yeah, I, I don't want somebody who dates who has children. But again, this is true to your being. So if that is absolutely a non-negotiable for you, you don't see the relationship progressing or being fulfilled with that, then to each his own. But it, it, I think it just needs, it has to be deeper. It has to be deeper because we are finding ourselves that these young women are being, these young girls are being killed by who they're dating about who they're dating and they're leaving. And I think that's another thing We're we're leaving our children with men that we haven't even got past the surface with. Like I said, you asking him his family and what his finances is like, but not the integrity uh, provoking questions, the deeper things that when you're not looking, because when you're not looking, they're killing your baby. But you left your child in the care and it's not being blameful, but we just have to be accountable as people. So the whole purpose really of me doing this podcast is so that you can get beyond the surface. We don't have time to be playing. Time is not our friend. Time waits for no person. We don't got time to be playing. If you are dating to court, stop playing. Stop playing. Like my pastor would say, if this is a part of your non-negotiable at the very top of your list, do you tie? Excuse me, are you, are you a tither? Because I'm a tither. You get what I'm saying? Let's stop playing these games. We need to get deeper than the surface because if we're talking about protecting ourselves and our children at this point. But, you know, it's just like we're finding ourselves in these situations where our safety is being compromised. Um, our safety and our children's safety. So I think that, like I said, it just has to be those kind of situations where we're asking the deeper stuff. So, again, integrity provoking questions like I gave the analogy with that. And it may just, you know, it may look different to you in terms of what integrity means. But basically, the nutshell, like I said, Nipsey said, what you do when people not looking. OK. Um, 
I think that we should also probably be thinking about what his or her child childhood was like, um, because believe it or not, that really affects how we move in our day to day. I don't think I've been able to see any real signs, but I didn't have a two parent household. It was just my mom. I didn't know my dad. I still don't know my dad to this day. I don't feel like that affects me in my current day, but I think maybe psychological and maybe some things that unbeknownst to me, I have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some residual effects of that and didn't even know, right? I have a, a friend um, when he was like dating and, you know, uh, dealing with situations, I felt like um, he was like hella cold hearted. Like he was basically like on some fabulous type stuff, like single as a dollar bill. If you stay, you stay. If you go, you go. I ain't tripping. It is what it is. I ain't tripping off no chick. Duh, 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 duh. You feel me? That type of situation. And I'm like, this dude is stupid cold hearted. Well, I later found out that his mom abandoned him, basically. And so that nurturing part that he would have gotten from a mother, that nurturing part, and don't get me wrong, because you can grow up with like your grandparents and your aunts and that you have that mother figure, but sometimes you need it just from who it is, which is your mother. There's no, like, I feel like everybody has roles that really can't be replaced. Like dad is dad and like even stepdad, stepdad's is dad. Like each place, everybody has their own place that can't really be duplicated to some degree. But I think mothers and fathers are really probably at the top of that list. And so that explained why he was sort of like hard up. Well, a person might say, well, that was from his past or like how he um, the relationship he has with his family doesn't matter. But then if again, if you're courting, the idea is to build a life and the idea is to possibly have children in the future, which means those things affect your children in the future. So, again, deeper than surface. You know, what's your what's your spiritual background? What do you believe um, in terms of spirituality, what do you believe in terms of um, who's the, you know, who role, what role should be played? Are you a provider? Are you okay with being a provider? You get what I'm saying? Because, and I think, again, it's a situation to where if you ask them, are you okay with taking care of me for the rest of your life? I would like to, I'm a woman that likes to be taken care of. I'm a man that likes to be taken care of. I don't go to work. This is what I do. Is that okay with you? And of course, a person gonna probably be like, huh? Of course, baby, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna give you the world, man. I'm gonna take care of you. And then three years later, that that Negro ain't paid a bill. His actions, right? His actions essentially, like I said, twofold. His actions essentially end up telling you what he really was about. But um, again, you have to start being paying attention to that, right? But his actions would have showed you if he was a provider or not. I think I knew early on that when I was dating my husband, he was the nigga. I ain't gonna lie. I really like moved hella different when I got with him. And just, you know, a little bit about my story. Like I just, you know, like I said, I didn't come from two parent household and I didn't, you know, I had this view on how, you know, relationships went. And for my older brother too, just, I had this view 
on how things were supposed to be. And, um, and I was in a previous relationship too. And so I just had this like view of how things were supposed to be. And then here he comes and it's like, Oh, you different, different. (laughs) I like you though. (laughs) Dang, I can't, I can't, I can't detach myself from you. I can't. And that's then when I knew, damn. And I remember, I remember something telling me, excuse me, God telling me, like I said, I don't like to really say something. God was telling me, you're going to learn something from him. You're going to learn something from him. And here it is 15 years later. I'm still learning from this man how to be. He's really shaped and molded me. One of the persons that's really shaped and molded me into the woman that I am today. And even last night, it's so funny. We were talking about the uh, um, uh, the way they see us or how the, when they see when they see us, excuse me, the Netflix show. Uh, we were talking about that. And then um, I seen a trailer for the only black man left or something in San Francisco that came out today. And it's basically about sort of a similar case where the guy was just wrongly convicted and, you know, all these things were stacked against him. And, you know, so I I sent him the trailer like, this looks pretty good, huh? He was already aware of it and then proceeded to tell me like another story about another guy with the same, like, he, and I was like, babe, you are so smart. Like you so dope with it. Like, you know, so much, you know, a lot of songs and stuff. It's old school songs come on and I'll be like, what is this? <laughs> and he know it front to back. Like he is just so well-rounded, well-versed could really, anyhow, that's going to get to it. I'll be all day talking about him. So anyway, I say all of that to say that hip hop is better than R&B. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> But those are things that you want to really pay attention to. But I just knew then, like, from just my husband's vibe, that he was, like, different. And that I would be gaining something from him. Even though I didn't ask the right questions. I didn't ask the right questions with him. I didn't ask a lot of questions with him. We were young, and just that just wasn't what I was taught. But when you know better, you do better. So, um, but, you know, those are things that you want to ask. Like, are you going to be a provider? What are your goals? What is your mentality like in terms of if this happened? Real life questions that are important to you and important to your development as a as a person and as a being. You don't want to be stagnated. A stagnated person is just a person that isn't growing. You don't grow when you stagnate it. And so you definitely want to find yourself in situations. You definitely want to find yourself in dangerous situations. And truth of the matter is you might be asking all the right questions and you might be getting all the right answers and he may be showing you all the signs. But just had a moment of the enemy just hit him over the head or whatever the case, whatever the case. And so that's another thing, too. We want to find about mental illness. Do you have a history of mental illness? Does your family have a history of mental illness? What does mental illness look like in your family so that I know what I'm dealing with? And you can be asking me the same things, man. This applies both uh, both ways, men and women. We need to be asking the right questions. We have to be asking the right questions because it is causing dangerous situations for our lives. And then another thing, too, for me, this is just me and not everybody operates under that. Um, pray, God, is this, is this, this, this the person that you, God, and 
I don't necessarily believe, um, how can I say this? I don't want you to be so caught up in, oh God, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? But God, am I in the right place at the right time where I need to be with this person? Is it a situation? Because we forget that people are for seasons too. And so that's another thing we want to pay attention to. Don't, you know, like we have to be careful in what season we are supposed to be in this person with this person. Maybe it is just a dating season for you, this one particular person that is going to give you experience and knowledge for your courting situation. But you got to be keen, you know, I just think you just have to be deeper. And for me, again, this is just true to my being. Finances has never been a question that I cared about um, because I can hold my own. Right. But I think finances is probably not the top priority. shouldn't be the top priority. Again, like I said, unless it's true to your being. But I don't think that finances should be sort of like how it shouldn't be framed in how much you make, but it should be how you manage your money. You know, what debt am I coming into? Um, you know, is it a child support situation? Is it a, like these are all things that you should probably be worried about in terms of money. Do you save? You know, that might be sort of like a non-negotiable. Are you a saver? Like, or are you willing to save your money? How do you spend your money? It is not necessarily about how much he makes, but it's how he manages what he makes. Because God will in, in larger territories over the little that you have. Right. So we just have to just learn to sort of navigate what those things really, really, really look like in essence. So I hope to my friend (laughs) that asked me to go into detail about asking the right questions. I'm calling this asking the right questions revisited. And this is really something that can be built on. This can continually be built on. And maybe I'll have a and a later at some point. And, you know, we can just get sort of real life questions because even though I've been with this last the same person the last 15 years we've been through a lot um and I think I have a lot to offer relationships particularly young relationships particularly young relationships with children so this is something that can be um and for us it's been successful it hasn't always been that way it took a lot to get us to this point um of being happy you know, I say, like I said, we've been together 15 years, married nine. We've probably been happy. And, and I, it's funny, I asked him this question and we were in sync and an alignment in this answer. How long have we actually been happy the last eight years? Have we had some bumps and bruises? Absolutely. But we barely argue really anymore. We barely linger on with stuff. We may have like a little spit back and we'd be like, you know what? It's all good. Whatever. He leave. We still embrace each other when he leaves. By the time he come home, it's like, hey, baby, how you doing? How was your day? I missed you. I was thinking about you. Like, we, we, we don't well waste no time. And are we perfect? Absolutely not. We not. No, we will never be per- perfected. But we just learn each other, you know? So I think that I have a lot to offer in terms of how to maintain a healthy relationship. Because it's hard. Especially hard being young. I think men, um, you guys are tempted far beyond than what we can imagine as women. Um, I think you guys have a lot on your head, men. And that's why at the top of this, I want to celebrate you men. Um, Particularly, yes, you fathers. But uh, just, just shout out to you men that are really just um, doing the right thing, you know doing the right thing, being the right person, 
um, being a good person, showing us what good men are supposed to look like. But also, um, I, I'm, I'm reaching out to you with my heart that I understand, even though I'm not a man, I am probably one of the few women. <laughs> no, real talk. That'll be another uh, podcast. Um, but I understand from a male's perspective because I've learned to understand my husband the things that you guys go through as men and I salute you I salute you men out there that are are trying every day every moment to be the best man you can for your family and and um women I appreciate you allowing these men to make mistakes to make them better to not throwing in a towel that's why I love T.I. and Tiny how they get down it's it's amazing they took something that was supposed to be dead the enemy tried to kill it and he said and they they reconnected that so i'm all for love i'm all for helping people this has been a really long podcast today um but when the spirit leads you and the spirit moves you um i hope i bless somebody i hope you got uh something from this i hope that in my talking i did accomplish something luckily i'm not a video so you don't have to watch me so you can just listen to me like an audiobook so um, you know, this is where I'm going to get on out of here. I hope you guys have a blessed day. Take in every moment that you're here and use it to the best of your ability. Just like negativity is contagious, positivity is too. So attach yourself to it and be in tune with God, people. Keep a keen ear, listening ear out for him because he's speaking right now, y'all. And you got to be open. Uh, Go check out When They See Us. It is something good. Like I said, snatch up somebody's Netflix account and go see it, man. Y'all be easy. I love y'all. Y'all can reach out to me on Facebook. I'm only on Facebook right now. I'm still working on the Instagram thing, y'all. But uh, just go ahead and type in long-winded and gifted and you should be able to find me. It's going to be under my government, which is long-winded. Excuse me. Tamia Frost Dillon. That's Tamia like the singer. Frost like frozen. And hyphen Dillon. D-I-L-L-O-N. I'll holla at you. Be easy. Love y'all.